Warning, the following podcast may contain the following offensive words or phrases. Shit. Fuck. Cunt. Pussy. Ass Tom Brady crack ass nigga! Thank you. Welcome to the Weird Buffy Podcast. Where we're built for comfort and not for speed. the Wes Buffy podcast where we're built for comfort and not for speed bitches. Hey man, it's the interview segment. We got a very special guest man all the way from the land that well he's he's from up top New York, but 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 I think he calls Vegas home now. All the way from the land of Black Sports Online and also the Corner Podcast. Uh we got Kel's da- Kel dance me in the house. What's going on, brother? What's up? What's up? Thanks for having me. Uh it's great to be here. Great to be here. <laughs> thanks, thanks for agreeing to come on, man. We appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Um, so, so now I'm personally a fan of of, of your podcast, and and actually some of your uh some of your writings on, on on BSO. But um, but 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 let's start, man. Where exactly are you from? Oh, I'm from the Bronx. So I grew up, you know, my entire life in the Bronx. I moved to Vegas for high school. Okay. And my mom had lived in Vegas. I was living with my grandma. In the Bronx, and my mom was like, "Come out here." Back then, I used to watch this TV show called House, and I always wanted to be a doctor. So Vegas had like this medical high school. My mom was like, "Come out here and live with me. Go to medical high school." So moved out to Vegas, did that for four years, then went to college, and uh, decided not to be a doctor. Got into journalism, and yeah, kind of just took off. And when it was time to work for BSO. They needed someone on the West Coast. I didn't want to live in L.A. And I was like, yo, I've lived in Vegas before. Can I do that? And they were like, yeah, sure. Well, and it brought me there. And I ended up covering, you know, boxing, UFC, and kind of took me on a path I'm on right now. Dope. Um, so how would you start? Um, is, is, is writing the first, like, bit of journalism you did? Have you done any television? Or, 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 or what's, your, uh, what's your concentration? What's your background? Um, matter of fact, I started in radio. Okay. Uh, the way it worked is I had gone to college to play college football and went to Southern Utah University, and I was doing nursing at the same time. I kind of got burnt out. And I was like, all right, so I'm going to take a year off. So I stopped playing football, took a year off. I was just doing nothing, playing video games on my couch, chilling. Uh, and I was watching ESPN one day, and I was like, yo, people get paid to do this. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I want to get paid to do that. And that was it. The light bulb came on. I went to a junior college. At that time, um, my ex at the time, we had moved from Utah to Kansas City, Missouri. That's where her family's from. So we moved out there. and We were just chilling. I was like, okay, I signed up for a JUCO, and they had a radio station. And I was like, you know what? I listen to Colin Cowherd a lot. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Jim Rome, but I was like, all right, cool. I listened to his show, uh, Dan Levitard. I was like, you know what, let me start by doing that. And I went to the radio station. I was like, you guys have an hour. They really didn't do sports talk. They put me on in the morning. And I started my own show. 
Dope. When I did that, it turned into an internship in Kansas City. I was a producer for 610 Sports Radio out there. Uh, got some good tips and all that. And then I started writing just on the internship because I was getting paid through the radio station. So I worked for free as a journalist. I started covering New York Giants as an intern for SNY. And then that took off. And, uh, you know, I, thankfully, BSO was looking for a writer. I sent them the work I did as an intern. And it got me on there. Dope. So, um, so, so what was the process of getting into BSO? Yo, it, it was luck. I mean, mm. something people don't know is the harder you work, the luckier you are. Mm. So when I say I've just been lucky, but it's all a process of me just working really hard. So, like I said, I was at the radio station. Uh, people don't know I have three kids. I had three kids by 21. Whoa. But yeah, I had three kids by 21. I was married. couldn't pull out of a garage. It was quick, <laughs> <laughs> it was quick yo. So uh, life comes at you fast. My so I was like, okay, I got to, you know, I got to do something. Um, and I've just never been like the nine to five type of guy. So uh, the radio station was, you know, putting some money in my pocket. I had mad financial aid because I had three kids. Mm-hmm. So I was getting checks back from school all the time. So financially, we're good at home. So I was like, you know what? I got a couple hours to fill. Uh, I watched my kids a lot when they were done with school. So I was like, you know what? I take the internship. I want to write. And then just writing. And I remember being at the radio station, and there's a segment in the second hour of every radio show. It's the last five minutes of the second hour where they just fill it. And, like, the guests are usually in the second hour. Mm-hmm. So they take up two 20-minute blocks. So after commercials and everything, you only got five more minutes before the top of the hour. And you got to play the, you know, you got to play the traffic and all the promo spots and all that. So they fill it with random news. You just, the, you know, five minutes, you don't have to talk about sports. So the two guys who run the show, Danny and Carrington, who still uh, are on the radio in Kansas City, they always had me, they're like, oh, check BSO. Because they have, you know, sports-related news, but it's a little bit off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. And it's good radio topics. So they had me, you know, follow BSO on Twitter and just see what, you know, tweeted out for that day. So when they tweeted, like, you know, we're looking for someone to write and a West Coast contributor, at this time, I was like, okay, I got to get out of Kansas City. Uh, the small town field just isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And other stuff was just, you know, going left in my personal life. And I was like, you know what? I kind of got to get away from this uh, for the betterment of myself and then eventually my family. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. So I hit him up and I was like, you know what? I'd really like to write. I'd really like to take that position. Not on the West Coast now, but if you allow me to write from Vegas, I could be there next week. And uh, Rob, Robert Latow from BSO, he was like, yeah, go ahead. And he was like, I got a fight next week. Have you ever covered a live event? And at this time, I did like small live events. So I was like, yeah, I got it. No problem. And it was uh, Pacquiao versus Marquez, the one where Pacquiao got knocked out. Mm-hmm. So a week after taking the BSO job, that was my first assignment. That's and that dope. was my first major event that I covered for him. And uh, yeah, it just, that started everything for him. All right. So on, on our show, we have a uh, recurring segment. It's mm-hmm. uh, called Shoot the Five. Hashtag ST5. Hashtag Shoot the Five. So we, we put all our guests on the, um, on the hot seat, um, put them on the spot. Do me a favor. Give me the top five dopest sporting events. That you have covered live. Oh wow, that's tough. Um, I'm going to say, let's see, five through one. 
I'll go with uh, UFC 189 last summer. Mm. Conor McGregor knocked out Chad Mendes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Irish people just ran into the street in Vegas and mm. shut down the middle of Las Vegas Boulevard. Whoa. They were crazy. And then uh, four, I'll go Conor McGregor knocking out Jose Aldo. Mm. That was a great card in December. Then I'll go Mayweather Pacquiao, even though the fight wasn't great. It was literally a circus that entire week. Oh, yeah. That's one of the times where I, I was physically tired after covering a fight. <laughs> right. Um, and we had, like, a crazy cabana right after the fight. There was, like, uh, you know, a couple of us BSO people, just bottles. I, I felt like I was Mayweather after the fight. I'm popping bottles, staying <laughs> on furniture. Hey. So that was great. Uh, two, I'll probably have to go with New York Giants training camp. It was my first thing I ever covered. And I, I love the Giants. Just being from the Bronx and, you know, Giants, Yankees fan. And I was out there. I saw Victor Cruz. I saw everything. And it was the year they went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I got to cover them and write for them the year that we won our last Super Bowl. And I was at training camp. I saw it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that's two. And then number one, one is tough. Uh, one may have to be the Manny Pacquiao getting knocked out by Marquez. The, wow. the Mexican fans went crazy. It was my first major event for BSO. Uh, no, you know what? Take that one. One off the board. It has to be NBA Finals when I covered that last year. Yes, yeah, In Golden State. You know, just being around there. I didn't cover it this year because, like, late last minute scheduling. Uh, Rob kind of did both sites, which were great. It allowed me to come to New York where I am now, but uh, last year, it was a great experience to cover my first NBA Finals. I was on ESPN for the first time, mm. and uh, it was cool to see everyone see me and be like, yo, I know that guy. So, <laughs> so what, were you so, doing, um, what were you doing on ESPN? I was asking LeBron the, post, the post-game question. So when you ask questions after the games, uh, ESPN cuts live to the podium. Mm-hmm. So when they cut to the podium, LeBron responded to a question someone before me and then it was me next and it was like front row they pointed at me and i didn't know the camera was looking at me at all i was just asking lebron a question and then my mentions just started going crazy so it wasn't until after you know the post game conference i looked at my phone and i was like yo you're on tv uh robert from bso captured the video he put it up everyone was hitting me up like yo people i i didn't have to see elementary school Mm. Like, yo, we saw you on ESPN. That's crazy. It's like, oh, man, thanks. Uh-oh, they weren't, they weren't throwing you that box, was they? <laughs> I seen them on ESPN. <laughs> Would you like to you like to get up? <laughs> right. And you, know, you back the, home right the now? The DMs were dry back then. DMs were dry back then. <laughs> <laughs> now, now my girl my girl got the watchful eye out now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> stick yo, stick to me. I'll tell you, my girl watches wrestling with me. Like she, real quick, she'll put a chicken figure four headlock. Uh-oh. Leg lock, oh, real quick. Uh-oh. She got the figure four sharpshooter. She, she on it. So yeah. <laughs> if anyone's listening, the DMs are locked up. Uh oh. Unless, unless you want to catch a Shawn Michaels super kick. Whoa. Oh man, sweet chin music. <laughs> <laughs> That's ill, man. So let's 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 transition into that. Um, you cover traditional sports. Uh, with a focus in uh, MMA and boxing. Um, but you are an avid wrestling fan, or wrestling, as yeah. I like to call it. Um, <laughs> so how do you deal with, like, folks talking about that's not real, that's not actual competition, 
um, people, you know, really doubting the sport. Like, do you know that's fake? Do you know love and hip hop is fake? You know what I'm saying? How do you deal with those folks? <laughs> um, to me, I explain it pretty simple to people. It's like, okay, it's obviously they're athletes, they're competing. Not everyone can be a wrestler. Physically, you can't do it. Word. Everyone can be on love and hip hop. <laughs> like, you can act ratchet and, you know, just slap people and be on Love & Hip Hop if need be. Uh, shout out to Cardi B. I love Cardi B. Hey. But there's nothing spectacular about her. Mm. Um, you know, wrestling takes athleticism. It takes dedication. Mm. And the best way to think about it is, it's like, okay, if you're going into the NFL and it's the Super Bowl, and I can tell you, like, okay, you, you don't know the final results of the game. But the players on the field know exactly who's going to win because Roger Goodell told them what to do. Mm. So Peyton Manning knows he's going onto the field. He's going to throw a touchdown in the first quarter. He's going to throw an interception in the second. He's going to enter the fourth quarter, down six points, two-minute drill. He has to score a touchdown. He knows that. Roger Goodell knows that. The Panthers know that. Is it still a great game? Absolutely. Yes. No. You don't know it. <laughs> Absolutely. They, they, they made it great. And then you don't know the outcome. They do, but you still watch, and they just made sure that it's going to be exciting. They made sure it's not going to be a blowout. They scripted it, so it's going to be the most exciting game possible. But you still don't know what's going to happen. So, so Kel, why wouldn't you watch? So, so check me out, right? So, I, so Earl's is, is the half of the show that is a real wrestling fan. I, I, I'm not. I haven't been a fan since The Rock left, right? So, okay. So, so as a as a person that's more casual. And was only in it for like you know you know Hulkamania, The Rock, um, like my like I feel like knowing the outcome it makes it like a physical soap opera to me. You know what I mean? What would you say to a person like you. me? You know what I mean? What would you say to a person like me to feel uh, like? I'll tell you that you don't know the outcome. Mm. You can assume the outcome, right, but no right, one knows. Right. And the way I tell people because I had gotten out of it like similar to a lot of people, like maybe 05 through 2011, I didn't watch wrestling at all. Mm. You know, my favorites had left. The Rock had left. All these people had left. I didn't like uh, the, the new direction they went in. Uh, and I, I just stopped watching. But covering UFC, covering um, boxing, a lot of my friends in the industry loved wrestling. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? What am I missing? And they, they told me, like, independent wrestling is what saved them. So the CM Punk's, the Daniel Bryan. It's like, yo, go back and watch your matches outside of the WWE. Mm. And that's what makes, it reminds you of the 90s that you love. So now if someone wanted to watch wrestling, I'm not going to be like, yo, watch Monday Night Raw. Because mm. they'll be like, no, I'm, I'm not here for this. Yeah, I'd be like, yo, get WWE Network. It's free for your first month. You can cancel it if you want. And watch NXT. Just mm. go back as far as you can with NXT and then watch it. They cut out all the corniness, all the stupidness. It's good storylines. It's good wrestling. And those people aren't, like, superstars yet, so you're not exactly sure who's going to win everything. Mm -hmm. Like, you can tune in and be like, yo, John Cena's not going to lose. Right, but in right. NXT, everyone is still kind of on the same playing field, and they, they're legit wrestlers. And I was like, he'll give you that old-school feel, and you'll fall in love with it again. And then you can watch the WWE and all that stuff. So, now, now just to get into it for a bit, because I don't get a chance to get into much wrestling, um... I'm going to just rattle off a couple of guys, and you tell me, uh, what do you think, A, wh what do you think of where they are right now, and where do you think their character should go? 
Um, I guess we'll start with the, um, one of my favorite NXT matches was uh, Sami Zayn and um, and Claudio Claudio Castagnoli, um, aka Cesaro. Uh, what do you think of Cesaro's character right now and him in the uh, tearaway suits? Uh, I don't like Cesaro's character that much. The 007 joint doesn't hit with me. Yeah. But, you know, they have to give him some character. Because to me, I could just watch him wrestle, and I'm fine. Because he's an amazing wrestler. It's just what character can he really pull off. And to be honest, this is his best character yet. I don't think people care about his character. He's one of those guys where you don't necessarily need a character. Just put him out there, and he'll shine for himself. Will he ever be, you know, world champion? Probably not. But he's a great intercontinental champion. He'd be a great you know, U.S. title champion, and I think they just need to keep him in that role. They can't have him, like, fall off the face of the earth like they did before yeah. in, like, a horrible tag team. Mm-hmm. But the, the guy can carry a mid-card. He's very reminiscent for old-school wrestling fans of, like, a Mr. Perfect mm. or a million-dollar man. Mm. Like, Ted DiBiase is, like, with the world title, probably not. But they created his own belt. He was intercontinental champion. Mr. Perfect never won the main title. But he was a great wrestler. He was always intercontinental champion. There's people in those lanes, and that's okay. Yeah, and Cesaro's in that lane. I think I think what you could do is shut him up, shut him up completely, say nothing, give him Heyman again, and just make him like physical as possible. Everything's everything is snug. No swing. He can't do the swing because you got to turn him heel to do that. I think you could put the belt on him for a while if you make him really, really violent. And quiet. I feel like you just gave the exact game plan they should use on Roman Reigns. Yeah, that absolutely true. Shut him up, make him super physical, and give him someone to talk for. Yeah, because he doesn't he doesn't put on bad matches. Yeah, he he doesn't really have bad matches. It's just those promos. Perfectly, yeah, perfectly fine matches. Now he's you know world champion caliber match wise. He just can't talk to save his life. And Mm. if he was a heel, that wouldn't be a problem. He comes Mm. out, he wears that. Someone else talks to him, he disappears. That's all you need. Hey, man. So I think the first time I may have heard you was one of the best interviews I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) You interviewed Virgil. Mike Jones. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, tell us about that. Like, was cocaine in play? Like, what was going on with that guy? We'll start from the beginning. Start (laughs) the episode before you guys had talked about him. Because yeah. did you run into him at a, at a wrestling joint? Uh, Andreas ran into him at Comic Con in San Diego. Okay, the year before, and Andreas wanted a picture with Virgil, <laughs> and uh, Virgil was like, "Nah, that's twenty five dollars." Uh. And Andreas was like, "Nah, get the hell out of here! I'm not paying twenty five dollars <laughs> for a picture." Right. So Andreas like did not like Virgil. So he came up. We were talking about like our summer travels or whatever, and um. Andre's like, I'm going back to Comic-Con soon. Hopefully, I'll see Virgil. <laughs> and I was like, why? He's like, yo, I can't stand him. He told the story. And I was like, yo, I'm going to get him on the podcast so you can squash the beat. Yo, how'd you and do that? he was like, no, he's going he's gonna to charge us to get him on the podcast. He tried charging me $25 for, for a picture. I was like, nah, this is a challenge now. I guarantee you I'm going to get him on my podcast. <laughs> so in that week, I hit up his PR person, uh, a manager. He has these things, by the way. Mm-hmm. And they got they got back to me, and they were like, "Yeah, he'll do the show." He so happened to be like launching his uh, his new t shirts <laughs> at the time, and I guess they wanted promo. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things on, on like the back end, they were like, "Yo, 
here's questions to stick to when you interview them. And as a journalist, any type of journalist, even like, you know, just new coming journalists, you know, you turn down those 99% of the time. Like, if you're going to tell me what to ask, I'm not going to do it. Right. But I was like, yo, I want him on the show. So uh, not the greatest of things, but I told the PR guy, and I was like, okay, give me the list, just email it to me. Here's the time for him to be on the show. The PR guy said, cool, no problem. And I then called Andreas, and I was like, yo, they want us to stick to these questions. Um, but I really, I don't think we should. And I was like, do you care about Virgil? He was like, no, I don't care about Virgil. I was like, shit, me either. So I was like, if we burn this bridge, I was like, it's okay. So I was like, right. the way we're going to do it is we're going to start the interview and we're going to ask two of the questions they gave us. Because if you guys, if you guys do interviews, like a lot of time when you do interviews and PR people are involved, they'll three-way connect you and stay on the line. Mm-hmm. And they'll just hang up on you. They'll, if you go off the, off the beaten path, Especially right. when they send uh, like little questionnaires like that. So the first two, I'm guessing the PR guy just tuned out because those two of the questions he sent us, mm-hmm. and then we just opened up with it, mm-hmm. and we asked Virgil whatever we wanted. Yeah. And Virgil's so crazy that he answered it. <laughs> Yo, completely and it honestly, to be our like best interview, like talking about midget strippers working in an Olive Garden. Yo, <laughs> did they have? What did he say? <laughs> did, 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 did the midgets? Did they? Did, I know what they didn't have. The 13 inches or something. I was like, wait a god, Hey, how did we get here? Yeah. Hey, it's a 13, 13 and a half. Yo, <laughs> don't leave out the hand. <laughs> Yo, I'm, I'm, he was very, very precise. Yo, <laughs> yo. So I'm sitting and I'm 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 driving. I'm in my car. I almost crashed my car listening to this 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 interview. And he's saying some of the wildest stuff, yo. I'm I'm sure. Me and Andreas are trying not to laugh this whole time. So <sighs> we're bouncing questions back and forth, and every time it's turn to ask a question. I'm running so I can laugh somewhere else. Oh, my so gosh. It's my turn to ask a question. He runs away from the mic, too. Uh, <laughs> at that time, we were recording our show uh, from the Two Dope Boys location in Vegas. Okay. And uh, even, like, Shake from Two Dope Boys was just looking at us like, is this real? And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever we want. Yo, the so part. He said he smashed, like, 1,200 Playboy models in yes. a year. Yes. Yo, and that was the head of NWO. Oh my gosh, he said, "Yeah, Hogan was his boy. He just let him have it. It's my man. I let him have it." But the ill part was, um, he would just, (laughs) he just, he just got to talking super, super crazy. But I I noticed that your your tag team partner over there, Mm. um, he got the he would after I, I you guys asked him the first two softballs. He went in. He went in straight for a dagger. He was like, "Yo, so how did you feel playing a slave in the '80s?" I said, "No, <laughs> <laughs> but yes." <laughs> that had to be. I mean, know, I, uh, as soon as he asked that, I was like, "Yeah, the gloves are off." Right, I absolutely. waited for them to hang up the phone. And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> like we got my job was done." I said I was going to get him on the podcast. We got five minutes of him on the podcast. Yes. At this point, I was like, all right, cool. And then I was like, his first question, because me and Andres, we don't exchange questions before interview. Okay. Um, we just kind of bounce off of each other. Mm. So we're like, okay, this guest is on, and then who's going to go first? I always go first. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like Styles P. <laughs> and he's like Data. I always, I always got to go first. So, uh, 
Yeah, so I opened it up, and then as soon as he throws his question, I'm like, okay. And I vibe off of that. When he said that, I was like, shit, I don't even know what to ask him. I was like, this, this might be it. This might be the end of the interview. And then Virgil, like, answered it, played off of it, and I was like, yeah, this is about to be a class. Yo, he, it, he opened the interview singing his own theme song. He did. Oh, man. He did. Dude, I think it was his a lot. theme music. It was a lot of cocaine involved in that shit, G. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, he talked oh, about a lot of white girls, and he was visited no, by one white, white girl. Girls. Absolutely, <laughs> and Asian chicks, Asian chicks, obviously, and midgets. Yo, <laughs> and midgets. Yo, which we did a follow up episode when there was some sexy midgets out there. So oh, Virgil might be on to something. <laughs> <laughs> might be ahead of the curve. <laughs> Damn it, Kel! <laughs> <laughs> hey man, so you know what? Let's do another impromptu shooting the five, man. All right. Hashtag SD5, hashtag shoot the five at Wiz Buffy, man. Who, who would you say your top five interviews? Top five interviews. Um, Floyd is always a great interview. Mm. Uh, the real Floyd. Uh, mm. Floyd before a fight. It's mm. like, you know, you, you don't get much out of him. It's the PR machine. He's very smart in that way. Mm. But when you catch Floyd, when it's not really about boxing, mm-hmm. like when someone else is fighting, uh, he just had Theo Fane versus Broner. Yeah. He just sit down with him. Well, he's very truthful. The real Floyd is a very good interview right. um, when he doesn't have to be in the show. Uh, Daniel Cormier is one of my favorite interviews. Mm. Uh, he's just really smart about uh, about you know just fighting and MMA in general. Mm. And there's no there's a reason he's an analyst. So he, he brings that version of him when he comes into interviews. Mm. Uh, who else? Uh, Keith Thurman is super cool. Mm. Uh, Demetrius Johnson is one of my favorites from the UFC. But he likes video games and nerdy stuff like I do. Same so here. our interviews always go off the off the path, and we end up talking about like Sega and and wild shit. Okay. Um, who else? Other interviews? That's four. I, it's so crazy uh, to to really get out of the realm that I usually cover. Who else is there? Uh Wow, Virgil, Virgil got to be top five. Yeah, right? got to be. I, I think he, I think he, again. yo. That, that's probably my favorite interview because it's just so unpredictable. It went from something that they kind of wanted to be scripted to yeah. he doesn't understand, he has no perception of real life. <laughs> so once you ask him a question, oh, he has shit. like this world made up in his head and yeah. he has no filter. Nope. Uh. <laughs> that's dope. Literally, it's it's really dope. It's really dope. It's really dope. <laughs> it's really dope. <laughs> hey man, so you, you cover boxing, man, and one of the things that, as a casual fan, like I'm always looking for the great heavyweight, and I'm sorry, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm looking for the next great black heavyweight, American black, American yeah. black heavyweight. What's the what's the, the gentleman name from Alabama, man? What's his name? The, the tall guy, Wilder. Wow, do you think that he's the next big, the next, the next black heavyweight that we can look forward to? Oh, sure, I hope so. Okay, the heavyweight division isn't very good right now. Right, they so all playing basketball. Could he be the? <laughs> if he could be the best heavyweight in the world, if that's your question. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Will he be an all-time black heavyweight? No, he he he's still flawed mm. in very much of his game. He has no jab. His defense is questionable. And he struggles cutting off the ring at times. Mm. But he has one hell of a right hand that mm-hmm. so far no one can stand up to. Mm-hmm. Um, so can he ride that and become, you know, at, at the end of it, you know, his record looking as good as Lennox Lewis, right. you know, after that was said and done as Holyfield, 
Um, no one would be ever as big as Tyson. Right. But could he beat better fighters than Tyson? Probably. And of this generation that's starving for a black heavyweight, yeah. could he be the best? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but that the talent around him isn't great, so it tires his chances of doing that. Right. Uh, there's, you know, Anthony Joshua, though, who's uh, black, but he's British. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people count that. He's not the next great American heavyweight. Right. Uh, yeah. Joshua just signed the Showtime. Those two are on a collision course sooner or later. Yeah, I they're, like his interviews. slowly winding around, yeah, getting all the major belts between the two. And then once they snag up all those belts, they're going to have to fight. Right, absolutely. So 2017, 2018. And that's when whoever wins that is going to be a star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Joshua is already a superstar in the UK. He mm-hmm. won the gold medal at the Olympics. He's been knocking people out. He sells out all their arenas. That will make him a star in the U.S. if he wins. Uh, if Wilder beats him, that makes Wilder an international star. Yes. Not only here in the U.S. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be great. That fight will probably be in Vegas. It'll be in the new arena. It'll be that first trademark fight, mm-hmm. heavyweight fight in the new arena. And it'll give you that real big-time feel. I still think... different than Floyd. Floyd brings out the ratchet. Uh... This will bring out, like, real classic boxing thing. Right. Yeah, the ghost of Burt Sugar will be there. <laughs> so he doesn't have to go through the Klitschko's then, right? He don't have to go yeah. through the Klitschko's then. No, no, no. Um, you know, that, that boat is sailed. Mm. You know, he can he can beat Tyson Fury. Yes. Fairly easy. You know, Tyson <clears throat> Fury, he, he lives off of making fights ugly. Mm. Um, Wilder can catch him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you throw in higher volume of punches, he, he can definitely knock him out. Uh, same thing goes for Anthony Joshua. Whoever wants that belt first is going to beat him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, strategically working your way around. Or, excuse me, let's just say he doesn't even have a belt. Um, Tyson Fury anymore. He vacated it so he can fight Klitschko again for the money. Anthony Joshua already has his belt. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the fight is still there. And, you know, they're working their way through all the other top opponents. But I give it a good shot that Wilder can be that guy. Okay. And he really only has Anthony Joshua's competition. It's just how much do people really want that heavyweight fighter that they're clamoring for. Because there's always going to be excuses. You know, no one's going to be Tyson right now. No one, you know, rest his soul, no one's going to be Muhammad Ali. Right. That level of competition isn't even there. We might not see that ever again. Okay. But do you want another great fighter, a top 10 type fighter as a heavyweight? Yeah, Wilder can probably do that. It's just, you know, the, comp- the comparisons have to stop. They- that golden age stuff, we'll leave it in the past. Yeah. It'd be very good for now. Yeah, it's the Where's Buffy podcast where we're built for comfort and not for speed. I hope you're enjoying this interview. Be sure to check out our weekly podcast covering hip-hop, sports, and everything in between. We're available every Saturday on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play Music, and Where'sBuffy.com. And now, back to your interview. Now, let me ask you the million, in my opinion, would be the million-dollar probably almost billion dollar question mm. um, in boxing right now would be how is it that you, you know what I mean, as, as, as someone who covers boxing, how would you fix the car crash that is Adrian about billions, uh-huh. always beat up Broner? <laughs> <laughs> uh, AB is great for the sport, man. Yeah. AB, AB just being AB is great for the sport. I wouldn't fix them. They, uh, they're doing it exactly how they should. He's good enough to beat up average fighters. So don't, don't get it twisted. He's not horrible. No. He's, you know, uh, he's 
above mediocre. So that's exactly where he needs to be. Right. So he can get like, you know, two or three stupid little titles mm-hmm. and always work his way back up to the title picture and then get washed by whoever's the true person mm-hmm. you want to elevate. So like now he took the L, the Mike Donna L hurt because no one cared about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even past that, like, cool, Sean Porter just washed him. That's good. Now that's Sean Porter versus Keith Thurman. It's like when you watch that that Sean Porter fight, it was like he fought that entire fight like he was up three rounds. And then he came out in the 12th and sat them. Like, I was like, and sat him down. And I'm like, why weren't you fighting with that sense of urgency since the first? I don't think he is. Because he's a clown. I don't think he's trained well. He's not self aware. Right. He's not self aware in any aspect of life. Mm. He thinks he trains hard. He really doesn't. He, you know, he thinks he could be as good as Floyd. He can. He doesn't have that, you know, dedication. He he thinks he's better than he is. Right. Do you but think he's someone good enough? Do you think someone like Teddy Atlas could fix him or have him at least more focused? No, you can't can't fix heart and desire. Mm-hmm. The guy doesn't want to be a boxer. Right. Like, you want the core problem? He doesn't want to be a fighter. He so happens to be able to fight. Okay. If he w- if he would have got that all the way up before <laughs> Fat Joe, mm. he would have put that out. He would have been a hip hop star. You'd never see the guy fight again. Ever right? <laughs> it would have been him in French Montana. He would have been touring. He would have took his one hit and got the hell out of here. He doesn't want to be a boxer. Here's mm. my. He just so happens to box to support his family and all these extracurricular stupidness. Mm. So and- now he's using the game of boxing. Boxing has to use him, and he's captivating. He's in, mm-hmm. you know, he's a knucklehead. People want him to lose, so you use that. Like, okay, beat up a couple of these normal, average guys, and then we're going to put you against Errol Spence, because Errol Spence is a true prospect. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to be the greatest boxer on earth in five years. Let's have him beat up on Broner. We can throw that in the major card. Tons of people are going to watch it. Cool. That's going to elevate him. Yeah. Broner beat up on three or four other little guys. Cool. Keith Thurman loses a fight. You need a bounce-back fight, Thurman, and, you know, in three years, Fight Broner. Watch him again. People will never get tired of watching Broner get beat up. So you know I thought my partner's question, the billion dollar question I thought he was going to ask was, we think Floyd's going to fight a 50th fight. We know he is. We know he's going to fight a 50th fight? Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he trademarked every yeah, he, coming oh. back. So, so is Broner the, the opponent? It'd be perfect. Broner would be the perfect opponent. What's your, what's your take on that? Um, No. No? Nah. Because... We've seen, and that's no knock to Broner, because I think Broner is a perfect opponent for other fighters, mm. um, and, which is cool because he can drive pay per view. If you ask me, Pacquiao coming back should he fight Broner? Yes, he should fight him every day of the week. Yep, mm. and it's an easy win, and that that's perfectly fine. Floyd needs someone who's going to bring in international viewers mm. and get that crowd into Vegas, and that's something Floyd saw already. So he was like, okay, let me fight. Um, uh, I don't know. If he fights like an American, it just doesn't work out well mm. at, at all. Hey, you know, he had to fight, you know, Canelo's, one of his biggest fights. De La Hoya, one of his biggest fights. Pacquiao, his biggest fight. They bring in international viewers. They get an audience Floyd cannot touch. So, so You know, he fought Hatton. He brought in all the crazy British people. That's right. the big money fight for Floyd. So as stupid as it is to think Floyd versus Conor McGregor, which will never happen, but that's his typical big pay-per-view draw. Do me a favor. Hold on. Hey, Kel, hold on. 
hold on one sec, Kel. Um, we, yeah. we our uh, our our our, uh, our podcast has a uh, a rapper big noid uh, of the podcast rapper annoyed a rapper annoyed rapper shit. annoyed is what we call him. Um, and um, he is he is 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 dead set that Floyd McGregor is gonna happen. As an insider, as someone who is in Vegas, who has covered Floyd fights, what is the percent chance that McGregor Mayweather goes down? I give it. <laughs> oh man, I gotta give it a percent. I would give it a ten percent chance, yeah. and I'm higher than any other journalist you ever find. Mm. Um, and I'm just optimistic on life. Math, it ain't happening. But it ain't happening. Right, like, you, you just. One, I think the UFC is going to be sold, so the whole cross-promotional stuff is out of the window. The mm-hmm. only reason that's a possibility is because Dana White and the Fertitas hold complete control, mm-hmm. and they can entertain that nonsense if they get paid enough. We just saw, I don't know what deal they covered the WWE, but if you think that you know cross-promotion is impossible, check Brock Lesnar fighting at UFC 200. And is got the- a big enough check, you know, the UFC will cross-promote with anybody. Right. Okay, so and, as and it's shown now, so if you got to give it at least some sort of percent, there's precedent being set here. So if they, you know, do under the table weird ass deals with the WWE, right. why wouldn't they do it with Floyd? Truth. If Connor loses his next fight to Diaz again, and then goes in there against a Frankie Edgar and loses his belt, mm-hmm. what else do you have to lose with Connor McGregor? Right. Why wouldn't you put it in next May against Floyd Mayweather and go for a cash grab? Yeah, that's legit. Now, now, now. So speaking, ten percent. I'll give it ten percent. Okay. Speaking of the um the cross promotion and MMA um and wrestling, uh, Dana White a couple of months ago went on that little tirade on Twitter that and was telling a fan like that guy that you like does that fake wrestling stuff and I don't respect that and we don't do that here. Oh. Now, his big pay per view. His 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 two hundred that over the last year has been falling apart at a phenomenal rate mm. is now predicated. The success of it is predicated on one of those fake wrestling guys. Also, your two hundred two is also predicated on not only that rematch, the McGregor rematch, mm-hmm. but also uh, 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 CM Punk's making his debut at two hundred two. So now you're selling two pay per views. Um, with these fake wrestling guys, uh, what, what's your take on, on, on him and his beef with wrestling? Um, McGregor, or excuse me, uh, Brock Lesnar isn't a fake wrestling guy. Right. So, I mean, I, I'll put that out there. You know, okay. Lesnar is the real deal. He's heavyweight champion of the world in the UFC. A healthy Brock Lesnar, completely healthy, could probably beat every heavyweight out right now. Wow. And that's no, that's dead serious. Like if him at a hundred percent, and he's flawed, obviously. But mm-hmm. his best fight to beat every heavyweight out now. Could he mm-hmm. catch Cain Velasquez on a bad day like Bird Boom did? Yes. Could he knock out Stipe? Probably. On, on a perfect day. Could Brock Lesnar be champion a year from now if everything goes perfect? Probably. And the WWE would put their belt on him, and you'd have the first dual promotional star oh, champion. Then that'd be a crazy world. To the moon. CM Punk fight? Not at all. That's <laughs> a fake wrestling guy. I bought his heart. Like, you know what? It's something, a new challenge. It's kind of like a midlife crisis. Wrestling's over. What can I do? 
yo, I, I, I you know, I did jujitsu to stay in shape sometimes. These people are going to cut me a check. I got nothing else to do but sit up at home all day and stare at eight day league. That's isn't a not bad, bad retirement plan. Not a bad at all. But, yeah, but you know, he's like, you know what? I got to do something. Let me try this. And, you know, shout out to his effort. He's going to lose. Um, hopefully he gets tapped and not, you know, punched in the face and knocked out cold. Because hmm. that'd be ugly. Yep. And then he's going to get up. He said, I'm going to give it my best try. Thank you. I show all the little kids shoot for your dreams. I'm <laughs> out. And that was it. That's going to be his whole thing. So that's a fake wrestling guy. But he's going to sell. And that's the end of the day. Like, money rules the world for the UFC. Yeah. And, you know, they're trying to build a brand. And the more money, more pay-per-views you break, uh, the better it is. And I tell you this much, the Conor McGregor, um, Nate Diaz, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I really haven't put this anywhere because I don't have hardcore sources on it. I can't really write it in an article. Oh. Uh, but uh, as we're talking, I can say it. I, I, I just don't believe it anymore. Really? I don't believe Connor mysteriously didn't show up to a press conference and they yanked him for 200. I, I, I honestly don't. It's so stupid and petty and small. I, I don't believe it. I've seen Dana White lie to the people in their face on ESPN about Brock Lesnar not coming back. I've yeah. seen him ban Ariel Hawaii. I've seen him do all this stuff <laughs> and both days lie about things. And I just don't believe Connor, you know, stayed in Ireland and didn't come to promotional event that he's done his entire career. I believe they got the okay on Brock Lesnar that Connor, we don't need you at 200. Mm. How about you carry UFC 202 for us? Mm. Brock wow. Lesnar will now carry UFC 200. Wow. Wow. And now you get double the paychecks in the same summer. Because CM Punk by himself isn't selling out UFC 202. No. Brock Lesnar by himself is boosting 200, regardless right. of who's on the card. Yes. So they're like, yo, let's double our money and cash out this summer. Why go, you know, Brock Lesnar and Conor McGregor on the same UFC 200 card? Do we want the one huge night, maybe superhumanly huge? What, what's the difference of that? Maybe 500,000 pay-per-view buys, 800,000 pay-per-view buys? Or do we want two, two million pay-per-view buy shows? Mm. Like, uh, let's go for the two. So in my head, like logically thinking, it's like, yo, I, I can see them being like, yo, you know what? Just don't show up. We're gonna we're gonna play this narrative, kind of WWE style, and we'll just rebook you. Just keep training. And they gave you know Nate more money, Connor gets more money, and everyone's happy. So it's smart business wise, and I think they should have done that off top. But you know when Brock Lesnar falls in your lap and he gives you a call, and you already advertised Conor McGregor for two hundred, you kind of be like, Yo, Brock wants two hundred. Uh, can we move you? Like, okay, how do we move you, Connor, without disrespecting you? Mm. Yo, let's put up this whole big shenanigans. Like, you don't want to show up. Wow. So, you know, it's a possibility. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, it's not my place. I don't care enough to ask, you know, the UFC contact that I have, if it's true. It's, you know, it's just something that I theorize in my head. But might, I, I don't think they would want to waste them on the same show. They might ban you for doing that, so you might not want to do that. No, probably. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If they ban you next Tuesday, you'll be fine. <laughs> Nah, I don't pull as much weight as Ariel. Hey, yeah. see nobody speaking up. Yeah. Like, yo, remember that Kel dude? Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, what happened? Hey, man, you guys are on loudspeaker, man. I think you signed a yeah, combat yeah, jet. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'd be on everybody else's podcast if I got banned. You'd hear me on Tax Zone. 
Be safe though. <laughs> they gunning son. So so how how did how did you guys start with the uh, with the podcast? How'd that come about? Um, the podcast kind of is another thing. Once again, it's you know hard work. You know, just brings luck, and it was lucky. Mm. Um, me and Andreas, we were sat next to each other. It was us. Uh, there was one other black dude, which is, is very rare at USC events, media wise. Usually, it's just me and Andreas. Like we're the only two black journalists there. Uh, some event, there happened to be a third black journalist sitting next to us, and they sat us all in the back row next to each other. And we were just like, okay, you're going to put all the black people in the back. And we were making jokes <laughs> and joking with USCPR, uh, Dave Schaller and all this stuff. He was like, oh, we didn't even notice that. I was like, yeah, Dave, you know what you were doing. <laughs> and then uh, the whole time we hashtagged the entire event, Minority <laughs> Report. That was our <laughs> Dope. That whole joint. Dope. So um, that picked up traction. And we were like, yo, they should give us a show. Like, just call us Minority Report. We report about the USC, blah, blah, blah. And then... um. Andres has contacts everywhere. Of course. So, um, everyone from loudspeakers reached out to him like, yo, you know what? We would love for you to do a combat sports show because you cover boxing, UFC, and uh, pro wrestling. And he was like, okay, cool. And they worked, you know, for a couple months trying to set it up. And when the time came to have it, they were like, you know, all our shows really have two people. So you can either have a new guest co-host every time, or if you have a co-host in mind, you two can just rock and have the show. And he was like, you know, I got a guy in mind. And then he asked me, he's like, you want to be my co-host on this show? And I was like, yeah, dope. Why not? Let's do it. I don't say no to anything. That's like the first thing they taught me when I stepped into class for journalism. They were like, don't say no to anything. If they ask you to cover women's soccer on a Tuesday, go and do it. You never know what you're going to learn or who you're going to meet. Right. So me I was him. like, yeah, dope. Let's do it. I was like, We're both in Vegas. Let's make it happen. Let's and see. then we did like a test show. They liked it. And they were like, okay, we're going to launch it. You know, the week before WrestleMania, and you guys have a nice little lead-up into the Floyd fight. Go and do your thing. And, yeah, we went right into it. It jumped in head first, and, you know, it was a little slow start, and, but we did it the right way. We built our uh, our audience, and we were just being ourselves. And it's built to a place now where, uh, thankfully, people like the show. We have a lot of good opportunities, and it's fun. It's our little break from normal work during the week. It's places where we don't have to be super proper. We don't have to be you know, super duper journalists like we have to be all the time. There's no editors. There's nothing like that. It's what we think, what we feel, and we put it out. I feel like I feel like on the show, um, you play the role of the the optimistic young guy. Yeah. And <laughs> and Andreas, much like myself, is the crotchety old guy who knows his stuff. But these new niggas is really getting on my nerves. <laughs> and I love that dynamic with you gentlemen, man. Um, it, it, It's an awesome show. We actually got to get Andreas on here. No doubt. Um, we Actually, who I really like to get is 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 the boss man, um, uh, Robert Latow. We got. I'm, I'm gonna shoot him. Shoot him a couple emails soon. But um, it, it, it's dope. Really listening to you guys, man. And and I'm gonna put you on the spot. Uh, one last time. Before we get up out of here, man, we got a, our last shooting the five. Hashtag ST5. Hashtag shoot the five. Add us at Where's Buffy if you want to get yours in. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, before we get into that, um, where can the people get at you on social media? Uh, at Kel Dansby on all platforms. Instagram, Twitter, whatever else you can find. Facebook. So it's at K-E-L-D-A-N-S-B-Y. I try to keep it simple, you know. 
Real name. That's it. Absolutely. And you didn't give yourself a rap name like Little Kel or Young Kel? (laughs) Kels. (laughs) Kels is taken synonymous with 16-year-olds. So you can't use Kels. Um, So... Um, but but no, where, where can where can folks get at, at at your show? Uh, yeah, follow the Corner Podcast. Um, it's at the Corner LSN on all social media. You can check us out, the Corner Podcast, on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever whatever you got, man. We're we're on everything. iHeartRadio. Uh, shout out to loudspeakers for making sure that you know we're we're everywhere and that people can listen to us all around the world, really. Right. So, um, yeah, check us out. We drop weekly episodes. You know, we talk hip-hop, pro wrestling, and combat sports. And, we, you know, we just have fun. It's like sitting in the living room and talking with us. No doubt. Absolutely, man. So we're going to get into this rapid-fire section, man. Um, what was the last pair of kicks you got? Last pair of kicks I got were uh, all-black roasties only because I needed joints to work in. And oh. I hate wearing dress shoes, and I refuse. <laughs> so I wear jeans and roasties to every event and then I dress nice up top. Ah, I hear that. Um, do you smoke cigars, sir? I don't. Uh oddly enough, I don't smoke anything. I've never smoked a day in my life. Okay, so I fuck fuck, fuck that question. Twice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I tried hookah twice and it makes me sick, so okay. I can't do it. I'm a, I'm gonna switch it then. Who does Floyd fight for number fifty? Ooh. Lloyd fights for number 50, Danny Garcia. Mm. Swift. All right, man. Um, <laughs> who is your favorite football team? I think you answered this already. New York Giants, Florida Ooh. State Seminoles in college. Ooh. Cowboys all day, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question. Oh, so if you had to pick, you can pick one, only pick one like the Highlander, my nigga. LeBron or Kobe? LeBron, hands down. I'm not a Kobe fan. My man. Uh Uh-oh. And the final question. This question has a wrong answer. Comfort or speed? Speed. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) You're the first person to get it wrong. (laughs) Hey, man. Hey, man. Absolutely check us out. Where's Buffy? Dot com. Yes, sir. Uh, where can they find you on our social media, brother? Well, they can get at us at, at Where's Buffy on everything. You can find me at uh, Dizzy from BMO on Twitter. You can find me Fatboy underscore Diz on your Instagrams. And you can Snapchat me that pussy hole at Fatboy underscore Diz on Snapchat. Hey, man. Ilfam79 on your social network of choice. Um, absolutely get, get at us, man. Kel, man, we absolutely appreciate you coming on, man. That was very dope, brother. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, man. Appreciate you.